Hey, hey, are you here? Yes, yes, you are. I see you. I hear you. I know you. Welcome back. Thanks for listening again to the Paul Leslie Hour, home of interviews with interesting folks going back almost, well, almost since the beginning of the 21st century. Say, have you all heard about the new book from Adam Carolla? It's entitled, Everything Reminds Me of Something. And Paul is reading it and really tickled by it. A full review, of course, is in the works. You know, Adam Carolla was a past guest on this show, and Adam has had a long association with our guest on this particular episode, Brian Bishop. Now, Brian is sometimes known as Bald Brian. He worked with broadcast personality and comedian Adam Carolla on the show Loveline as a call screener. His relationship with Adam Carolla continues, even to this day, as a contributing cast member on the Adam Carolla Show podcast. We love behind-the-scenes looks, and Brian certainly has a lot of perspective. He talks to Paul E. Leslie about his storied career. And we get his thoughts on the growing new media, podcasting. And once you listen, we wonder if you'll get back to us on this. Hmm? What do you think about the unusual phone call that Brian screened from Loveline? Oh, goodness! Also, we wonder if you could maybe help us out in our efforts. You can help the Paul Leslie Hour by going to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Thank you. And now let's hear that tape of that interview with Brian Bishop, or as some of you call him, Bald Brian. (laughs) Hey, let's all listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Brian Bishop. Thank you so much for making the time to join us. It's my pleasure. A lot of people know you from Adam Carolla's show, but who is the real Brian Bishop? (laughs) Do a lot of people know me? I don't feel like that's true. The real Brian Bishop, he's a dark and troubled, troubled, deeply troubled soul. No, that's not true at all. I like to think that I'm the same, mostly the same as I am on the air, as I am off. People ask me, you know, my friends or whoever ask me, uh, you know, what's Adam like off the air? He held my work for Adam Carolla. And one thing I've always admired about Adam is that you tell people, if he's the same guy he is off the air, minus about 20%, because I think when you're on in front of a microphone, you have to perform to some extent, obviously, if you're performing. But Adam's not putting on a persona, and he's not pretending to be someone he's not, or all those things. He's the same guy, and what you see is what you get, and I've always admired that, and I try to do the same thing for myself. How did you meet Adam in the first place? I think the first time I met him was when I started on Loveline. I was a phone screener, which in the radio world is bottom of the barrel. Phone screener at the local L.A. station called K-Rock. And did that for a year. And after a year, they asked me to be the phone screener for Loveline, which was a huge pay raise at the time from like $6 an hour to like $12 an hour. So, of course, I jumped all over it. I think that's when I met Adam, when our producer brought me around and introduced everyone on the show, which with about four people. And then I met Adam, and it was, that was the beginning of a long love affair. Now, when you think back to the days of Loveline, can you remember a call that, to use the most memorable call that you ever screened? I got so many calls. There were just so many variations of the same thing. 
I don't want to trivialize them because obviously if you're calling into a, a national radio show to, as a teenager or whatever, it's pretty important to you. You're looking back what seems like minutia or sort of the run-of-the-mill type stuff, although one call does stand out. I was, there was a guy who had a very strange manner of speaking, sort of like Buffalo Bill from The Science of the Land, and he called <laughs> in and he, his question was he wanted to know how to meet girls. He's like, if I have trouble meeting girls, I'd like to know how. I was like, all right, well, what seems to be the problem? And he goes, well, you know, I just have a hard time, and, and they, you know, inevitably my past comes up, and, you know, I just got out of jail. And I'm like, wow. And I, and I was like, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 19 or whatever he was, or, you know, 20. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got out of jail for two years. I'm like, two years? You went to jail at 18 years old for two years? Like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I stole the head off of a corpse, out of a mausoleum. And I was like, <laughs> I was just so, so amused by the fact that, number one, he had done this. Number two, he was telling me so flippantly. And number three, the fact that his initial question was not, was that nothing to do with head ripping or corpses. It was the fact that he was having trouble meeting girls. <laughs> so it was just such a, it was just such simple, direct, like, this is the problem, I need a solution. And it's funny, it sort of gives you an insight into how guys ultimately think, I mean, you can do all the head ripping you want in your life, but ultimately it's all about meeting girls. <laughs> no, did he get through? Did you put him through? Oh, yeah. We put him through. I, I, at that point, I don't remember how long I'd been a call screener. I feel like I had been doing it for a little while. So I sort of had an idea of Adam and Drew liked to take certain kinds of calls and didn't like to take certain other kinds of calls. So I think on the screen I put something like, I, I think I just put simply like, having trouble meeting girls, and then in parentheses put something like, please take this call. It, you know, it may seem boring, but trust me, it's going to be hilarious. And so they trusted <laughs> me, and uh, it ended up being a fairly memorable call. Just out of curiosity, how did you weed out the people that were just pranksters? I had a pretty good radar for that kind of stuff. I, I don't know why. I think I was a creative writing major in college, and I just feel like I can, I sort of know when someone's, telling fiction or, or telling fact. There are practical tricks for it. Like if someone, you know, you, you can just press someone on the details of a story. Like, oh, really? Well, like, what, you know, what were you, what, what was the weather like that day? Or, you know, nothing, not, not always quite like that. But if someone claims to be an age that they're not, you can ask them what year they were born in. And a lot of times people will, will think ahead and, you know, map out the year. And you go, okay, what, what year did you graduate from high school? And they don't always seem to trip people up because usually that should match up pretty easily and, and usually don't forget what year you, you graduated high school. But you'd be surprised how many people get that one wrong. You're a part of the Adam Carolla Show, and it's currently the number one podcast. It's also in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most downloads. What did you think about the idea of the show going to the podcast format? It seemed like a very natural, very logical sort of step. I think Adam would probably never admit this. It would be if he had for his agent. I think Adam would do this for free. I, mean, I think Adam would love just to have a microphone and people listening because he, he's full of ideas and has a passion just for just the medium and the spoken word. And, you know, I know he's a fan of talk radio and listens to a lot of it and listened to a lot of it when he was doing construction back in the day. And, I think it was quite a natural sort of evolution, the fact that his friend Donnie was there with the technical knowledge to help him set this whole thing up and show him that, no, this really is kind of easy, like you can do it and there's an audience for you. And I think it was, it was a very natural thing and it didn't surprise me at all. I was really, you know, pleased and thankful that not only 
for the first year or whatever, Adam asked me and uh, Teresa Strasser, who was the former co-host of the radio show, to keep coming back and do these regular weekly sort of appearances. And then after about a year, he asked us to come back and be part of the regular daily show, which is hugely flattering, really rewarding for me, you know, both career-wise, because I feel like it's something I do very, very well, but also I think from a sort of a health perspective, you know, I was going through some various health problems there for a while, and then sort of coincided, recovery sort of coincided me being asked to come back and be a part of the radio show, which didn't seem like a possibility at the time, so it was a nice, it was a nice synergy and it was a nice sort of milestone for me to achieve. Well, tell the listeners out there about your role in the Adam Carolla Show. Adam, obviously, is the host, and it's the Adam Carolla Show. I am his sidekick. The main job is to play sound effects, on the show, but I mean, uh, that's sort of my ostensible sort of uh, job is the sound effects, so, you know, sort of like uh, Fred Norris on the Howard Stern Show, if you're familiar with that. So I do that, but I also comment, uh, you know, jump in, uh, discuss, comment, just sort of a sidekick at large, I guess. Uh, the, the sound effects are are my uh, staple in what I do, and I think what I'm known for. Hopefully, you know, sort of elevate those from typical... I also think of it as like sort of an ironic commentary on the show, sort of like a Greek chorus in the background. I don't think of it as sound effects sort of um, enhancing the show. You know, sort of if Adam is talking about going to the bathroom and play a toilet flushing sound, you know, it's more of a, I'll play something sarcastic that's like, all right, well, let's move on and, you know, keep it clean. And it's sort of an, an ironic commentary. So the voice of the listener, the, I guess, is the, the way to sort of put it. The thing about the show is it's the number one podcast. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Do you believe that the ACE Broadcasting Network is going to continue to dominate? What do you think will happen? I don't know if any one network will dominate. I don't know if we're dominating per se. I mean, we're doing very, very well. But, you know, it's it's so funny because the sense of, like, and I, I know, I know, I understand what you're saying, and I think I know why you picked that word. I mean, you're saying that we're doing very well, but just sort of the idea of dominating, you know, quote unquote, sort of evokes sort of a an idea of competition. And I think that's the best thing about podcasting is that there isn't really a, the same competition that there is in radio, terrestrial radio. For example, you know, I think to his credit, a guy like Howard Stern made his living, if you want to say it that way, off of you know competition. He he would pick out. The, the, the DJ that he uh, wanted to uh, go to war with or whatever and would proceed to go to war with the DJ and made a thing out of it. It was a great gimmick for him, and it worked extremely well. But the thing in podcasting is we're not competing against somebody in a time slot. I mean, you can listen. If you're a podcast fan, it behooves us to promote other podcasts and, be, and get you more involved with the medium. You know what I mean? It actually benefits us if you want to look to NPR or Mark Marin or Chris Hardwick or, or any, any number of podcasts. I mean, the more the merrier, you know. It's a big thing where uh, it's a community, and we would benefit from you listening to as many podcasts as you want to. You know, we're not competing for a time slot. If it's 8 a.m., you can listen to uh, any number of podcasts. Uh, it's like if it's 8 p.m. I don't know about domination per se. I'd like to think that we we'll continue to do well. Uh, and I like I would really like to see the whole medium do really well. I sort of gauge the medium success, podcasting success on when I talk to my uh, parents' friends. And they're like, oh, what are you doing nowadays, Brian? I'm like, I work for a podcast. I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, it's internet radio. I'm like, how do I listen? And it's like, well, anyone can listen. It's free. But when my parents' friends know what a podcast is and know how to listen to one, I think we'll have taken many steps in the right direction. Very interesting. I wanted to get your opinion on a few different things that have been discussed 
and I've seen on the Internet it actually has created a bit of a buzz. There's been discussion about the Occupy Wall Street on Adam Carolla's show. What do you think about Occupy Wall Street or Occupy Anywhere? I have promised the next 30 seconds will be extraordinarily boring because I don't have a very strong opinion on it. I don't follow it too much. I know almost everything I know from Allison the News, uh, which is the uh, who's the news girl on our show. Uh, so I don't follow it too closely. I almost think of it as I don't know, but my my outside opinion is almost like it's sort of misdirected. Um, I just wish I knew what they were protesting against, or if they even protesting. It was just a movement or a demonstration. I don't know. The fact that it's so hard to get a grip on makes, I think it sort of dilutes their message a little bit. If there, is, if there even is a message, I don't, I don't know. So uh, sorry to offer you a very boring answer, but I just don't know. Another thing he's kind of talked about, and there's been some banter back and forth with him and Allison, is self-entitlement. Do you think that young people today are growing up entitled? or maybe a bit too soft. Interesting. The self-entitlement thing, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword. I know what Adam's talking about, and it's almost like a paying your dues kind of thing, like too much too fast, you know, the kids these days, if you want to, you know, put it that way. Uh, kids these days have access to too much and can do too much, and, and it's so easy for them, and, 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 you know, they're not paying their dues or having to go through the same barriers, I guess, the previous generations had to go through, like, but then at the same time, that's a good thing because, you know, a, a teenager can host a podcast if he wanted to, which, by the way, if someone's good at it, then why shouldn't they host a podcast? You know what I mean? Like, as opposed to if you wanted to be you know, a broadcaster in the old days, you had to be a phone screener for a while, then you had to, you know, be an associate producer or a board op or whatever. You know, you had to work your way up in 10 years and years. And now, as Adam likes to say, you know, he quotes whatever it is, Nike or Reebok or whatever, you know, it's your world. Well, I mean, it kind of is, and 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 uh, the 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 more barriers, I guess, we can break down between desire to do something and actually being able to do something. I don't know. I, I see both sides. I see how it can be a negative because I, I I am a believer in sort of paying your dues and doing things the hard way. You know, having to go through certain trials and tribulations in order to get what you want. It makes you appreciate it more. But at the same time, I mean, there's something to be said for diving in and just doing it, you know, just use the podcast example. If you're a teenager and you love talk radio and you want to host your own sports talk show uh, on the Internet, then why not? Dive in and do it and uh, make your mistakes, and you'll probably be a lot farther along than uh, any of us were at your age. Have you read the book that Adam Carolla wrote, In 50 Years We'll All Be Chicks? I said, yeah, I read the hardcover edition. It took me, it took me several trips to the bathroom, but uh, over the course of about eight months, I finished it. Do you think that men are losing their masculinity? I don't know. I guess it's along the same lines of what I was just saying about self-entitlement and all that stuff. And I do see I see both sides of it. I, I do appreciate, you know, the fact that guys can do more now than just typical guy things. You know, I like that there are guy chefs. Not that there weren't before, but they're sort of a little more celebrated now. Guys are a little more evolved, I guess, if you want to say, you know, beyond just to be able to know you know, typical guy thing of the old days. But at the same time, there's also Adam's point, which is extraordinarily valid, which is guys don't know nearly the stuff they used to know. You know what I mean? Like, there's a sense of pride, like, why would I know how to fix my engine? You know, and I'm guilty as anybody. I don't know how to fix an engine. I know a few things about cars, but surely wouldn't be able to tinker with one. I guess maybe men are losing a touch of masculinity, but if it's at the expense of, or at the benefit of becoming a little more evolved, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural evolution. I don't have a problem with that. 
Adam Carolla is somebody who's very, very opinionated. What do you most disagree with Adam Carolla about? Oh, wow. Well, I, first of all, the Adam Carolla I know is not opinionated, so I don't know where you got that from. But make it an issue on the show to try and disagree with him whenever I have a legitimate disagreement on the air. And the reason is there's not a lot of disagreeing that goes on, you know, with Adam on the show. If you, I mean, I think if you took out parts where I disagreed, I, I don't think you'd find very much uh, rub at all, you know what I'm saying? And I, I think that's, I think that's, there's an extreme that's bad, like in, in morning radio where a guy, the old, the old rule in radio was the two hosts had to disagree. You couldn't agree because otherwise you wouldn't have any conflict and there wouldn't be any debate. So the one guy, you're like, I think the color red is terrible. The other guy would say, oh, I think the color red is fantastic. Let's take your calls right now, 877, color red. And it's like, all right, well, listen, these, these, these manufactured disagreements, they're not really working. But the flip side is that agreeing all the time doesn't work either. So I think there is a healthy balance. I think I don't want to get pigeonholed or cast as the guy who just disagrees with Adam out of principle. But whenever there is an opportunity like, oh, no, I think you're wrong about that, I'll definitely speak up because it's important for the show and I think it's important for the listener. I mean, as much as you can like anybody, any host, any personality, you don't just want to hear them rant or just talk about things that they love or talk about things that they hate. You know, you want to hear some debate or some exchange of ideas or some alternative take on something. Whether you agree with the take or not, it, it brings out maybe more of what you like in the host. So anyway, to answer your question, there's a part in Adam's book that extends from the radio show that we did back in 2007 or something. Or, uh, I think it's, Adam put it in his book, which is which extraordinarily devious, but we disagreed. First of all, I was 100% right and still am. But uh, Adam thinks Adam thinks that Apple, the company that makes the iPhone, intentionally made the iPhone slick and slippery so that people would drop more iPhones and therefore have to buy more iPhones. And uh, not only is that insane, it's ridiculous. It's a conspiracy theory. And I floated this theory to uh, several several people, tech experts. I just had, I just was talking to Kevin Pereira from G4 lunch, and I told him the theory, and the look on its face, it was dumbfounded, it was disbelieving, and it was kind of amused. So as I say to Adam, like, listen, Adam, you can have this theory all you want. You can have your crazy crackpot theories about the iPhone, but please don't tell anyone. Please don't make this public knowledge. People will start to think you really believe this crap. <laughs> Our special guest is Brian Bishop. What are you most optimistic about? You know, I'm optimistic about my own health and my own future. And, you know, I got married two years ago, and I don't know if if your listeners know, but I was diagnosed with brain cancer uh, just a few months before my wedding. Things did not look good there for a while, and things were uh, pretty bleak, but I've made uh, quite a comeback, and I'm doing better, and I'm improving, and, you know, maybe it sounds selfish, but I'm most optimistic for sort of my own future, my own recovery, and my wife and I uh, living a long and happy life together. What is the best thing about being Brian Bishop? Getting to talk to people like you, Paul. <laughs> well, that's awfully kind of you. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, I think the best, at least as it pertains to the Adam Carolla show and, and what I do uh, for a living, you know, I, I you know, when I was in high school or, or college or wherever it was, you know, sort of evaluating my own talents and skills, you know, I looked around and I saw people who were really, really good at, you know, math or computers, and I'm like, well, these guys got it made. I mean, at least in terms of their careers prospects, they're going to, you know, could become an engineer or a computer programmer or 
accountant or whatever, and uh, they're going to, you know, have a pretty, they're going to be pretty well suited to their skills. And I took a look, I took a look at my skills, and things that I enjoyed most were hopping off to the teacher, making the classroom laugh, basically sort of goofing off. And I didn't see a huge market for that at the time. And uh, luckily, I get to sort of do that, at least professionally. You know, my, my job is to sort of be the, the kid in the back of the classroom who's uh, mocking the teacher. You know, to an extent, you know, I'm not, you know, playing that part sound effects every time Adam says something. But, you know, I, I got it sort of my job is to pick my spot and, you know, a well-timed sound effect or drop can really, uh, you know, be, be the equivalent to, you know, sort of uh, making the classroom laugh. When I was a little kid, my bedroom, my bedroom wall where, I, you know, at the head of my bed, was shared a common wall with my parents' shower. So my dad would get up for work really early in the morning because he worked in the food industry. He, would, he got up at, like, I don't know, 5, 4.30 or 5 in the morning. He would take a shower every morning. It would be just enough to sort of wake me up and never to, like, you know, like, jolt me awake. Like, I always heard the sound of the rushing water in the pipes inside the wall. It was right there by my head. And it's sort of like, you know, just woke me up, like, oh, yeah, my dad's there taking a shower, and then I fall back asleep. And it was extraordinarily soothing. I don't have a drop for that. I don't have a sound effect for that, because I don't know how you could possibly replicate the sound of, you know, running water in, in pipe inside of a wall. But I will say, you know, in as much as sound can be tied to memory and good memories and all that stuff, it, it's a uh, very pleasing sound. Interesting. Well, my last question. For anybody who hears this interview, wherever they are, it's just open-ended. What would you like to say to all the people who listen? Well, if they're listening, they're either uh, interested in you or me or podcasting in general, and I would say thanks for the support and spread the word, and hopefully we'll be around for a long, long time doing exactly what we're doing. It'll just keep getting better and better, and uh, we'll have more interesting things to offer you and say to you. And, yeah, I guess just thanks. I mean, it's, especially in the podcast world, you know, we're nothing without our, our fans, and we're nothing without the people who support us. So in as much as we're extremely uh, grateful for that, I'll say thanks. Well, thank you very much for your time, and I appreciate all this. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.